Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. You have tuned into the Daily Roundup on this, a Thursday, March 23rd, 2023. I'm David Menzies and my co-host, well, let me tell you a little bit about my co-host. Do you know, folks, today is National Near Miss Day and she never celebrates this day because she always hits the bullseye. She is the she-devil with a sword. She is the Khaleesi of Northern Alberta. She is Sheila Gunn-Reed. How you doing there, Sheila? Oh, David, I'm great. Yeah, sometimes I find myself cheering for the asteroid. <laughs> Very recently, I'm often always cheering for the asteroid. I'm like, you know what? We had a good run every day that we are not... Um, you know, subject to rain of fire from above, I think is a day that we're living on borrowed time lately, but it's also um, national okay day. And there's a, I see in the image they use a guy giving the okay symbol and I'm reliably informed by crazy people receiving government funding on the internet that the okay symbol is a symbol of white supremacy, uh, uh -oh. <laughs> which is absolute madness. Um, it's also national puppy day, which I'm surprised you didn't pick. See, yeah, that's uh Crazy people on the internet say that that like the W, like the three <laughs> fingers is like a W and it's like a, a signal of white supremacy. I know, this is he madness. Sure, he sure looks like a white supremacist. <laughs> you know what? It's never stopped them before of accusing people of color of being white supremacists. Didn't they accuse Drea of that? Yeah. Drea and Matt accused them of that. Um, it's also National Puppy Day, which I'm surprised you didn't take uh that is your special day today and uh, national cuddly kitten day. So even the dogs cannot have their day. The cats have to come in and ruin it for everybody. Well, my puppy is really bugging me, Sheila, because within a calendar year, I've spent $1,200 in reading glasses because somehow plastic, metal, and glass attracts my dog, Sir Gregor, no. to it like it's a T-bone steak and he chews them up. I do not understand that. But, you know, we should tell people because I had forgotten all about this. I remember a bit of publicity about it in 1989. Um, what National Near Miss Day refers to is that on March 23rd, 1989, an asteroid the size of a, uh, a mountain came so close to Earth. And when I say close, Darn I'm it. speaking <laughs> in, in cosmic terms, 500,000 miles, which is about 805,000 kilometers it came so close to Earth, had it hit the Earth, you're looking at 600 megaton atomic bomb. Uh, I think that's kind of like around the size that did in the dinosaurs um, some 120 million years ago. But, you know, you stole my thunder, Sheila. Um, I remember the 80s. I mean, if there was such a thing as a DeLorean DMC with the flux capacitor option. I'm setting it right back to the 80s. You know, before the internet, um, before transanity, before blackface got into power, it was so civil, it was so nice, it was so normal back then. Uh, but all those other factors I just listed off has, have kind of ruined uh, the 21st century. But imagine that, you know, um, and I guess when you're measuring distances in trillions of miles in astronomy, 500,000 miles. That's the proverbial uh, Maxwell Smart. Missed it by that much, Chief. <laughs> yeah, that's touching bumpers. Like, that's real close. And like I said, some days I'm cheering for the asteroid. Uh, today is not one of those days, though. Score a couple of victories for the good guys 
over the last couple of days, which is um, good. And we'll get into that in a second. Yes. You know, we've got some changes happening in the House of Commons and uh, <laughs> the Democrats realizing just how stupid they are um, <laughs> by uh, <laughs> attempting to arrest Donald Trump again and again and again and again. Um, but we'll get to that in a second. We should tell everybody what we're doing here, or what we're attempting to do here. Five minutes into the show, we have done none of that. It's a very, very busy yeah. news day, a real packed pierogi, as you always say. Um, so this is the Rebel News Daily Roundup. It's hosted largely by my friend David Menzies, although he lets me co-host a couple of times a week, which I really enjoy. Although I am, uh, you know, I tease David, but it's affectionate teasing and I love them very much. But if uh, you want to watch us, there are a bunch of different ways that you can do that. So it's we are on the censorship platform of YouTube, uh, Rumble, Odyssey, Twitter and Getter. But if you want to support the work that we do completely willingly out of the goodness of your heart, because you want to cheer for the little network that could, might I suggest you watch us over on Rumble or on Odyssey two really great free speechy platforms that really don't care about your politics, which is how it should be. It's the internet public square. And you can leave us a paid chat on either one of those. So on Rumble, it's called the Rumble Rant. On Odyssey, it's called the Hyper Chat. And we will do our best to address your comments, questions, story ideas towards the end of the show. Although sometimes we, we if we have time, we'll try to fit it into the middle. But it's a great way for you to a uh, great reason, I guess, for you to stick around to the end of the show, because that's where the democracy happens, because then you can take the show in your own direction. There you go. And as you said, Sheila, so much to get to. So why don't we get to it? Uh, the China crisis continues. And by that, <laughs> folks, I don't mean the English new wave band uh, back in the 80s, uh, probably best known for their song Fire and Steel. You should watch that video full of incredible archival footage of industry producing things like cars and whatnot. It would probably be condemned as uh, toxic masculinity today, which is why I want to get in that bloody Delore and get back to the 80s. But I digress. Yep. No, uh, late yesterday, what broke, as you probably are well aware of, is that Han Dong is stepping down as a Liberal MP. Um, wow, is this story ever changing over the last three weeks that it's been in the news? Um, before we comment on that, why don't we go to the video and uh, see Han Dong saying uh, adios. Maybe it's temporary if he's cleared, or maybe it's forever, but uh, take it away, Mr. Dong. Oops. We, oh, there we go. <laughs> David. Oh, we have some technical difficulties. I don't know why I the she-devil has a case of the giggles right now. Is it, oh, is it that last name? Well, Sheila, I mean. Take it away, Mr. Dong. I bet you've said that a few times in your life. That's all I have to say. Well, um, actually, I've never said that until right now. And uh, as you know, we have a Johnson investigating a dong right now. So uh, fill in the punchline there. I think we have the clip ready to go. So I'll shut up before I get myself into more trouble. The Honorable Member for Don Valley North. Thank you, Speaker. I rise on the point of order. I have informed the Prime Minister and the leadership of the Liberal Party caucus that I will be sitting as an independent at the conclusion of these remarks. Mr. Speaker, I'm in your hands as to what happens next. To all my colleagues in the Parliament, media reports today quoted unverified and anonymous sources have attacked my reputation and called into questions my loyalty to Canada. 
let me be clear. What has been reported is false. And I will defend myself against these absolutely untrue claims. But let me assure you, as a parliamentarian and as a person, I have never and I will never and would never advocate or support the violation of the basic human rights of any Canadian, of anyone, anywhere, period. The accusations are false. My family came to Canada for freedom. I have had the privilege of being elected to this house, and I believe I have served honorably and pledge to continue to serve honorably and fulfill my oath of office. I will continue to serve the residents of Down Valley North as an independent member of this house. I'm taking this extraordinary step because to sitting, to sitting the government caucus is a privilege, and my presence there may be seen by some as a conflict of duty. And the wrong place to be as an independent investigation pursues the facts in this matter. I will be sitting as an independent so that business of government and indeed the business of parliament is not interrupted as I work to clear my name and the truth is presented to parliament and to Canadian people. I am a proud liberal and I am proud of the work our government does day in and day out to serve the people of Canada. I also don't want to distract from that important work. Before concluding, I want to assure Mr. Michael Spavert and Mr. Michael Covert and their families that I did nothing to cause them any harm. Like everyone in this house, I worked hard and advocated for their interest as a parliamentarian. The allegations made against me are as false as the ones made against you. To my constituents, I will continue to work on your behalf as your member of parliament. To my staff, I thank you. I know the days ahead will be difficult, but I will be there to support you as we continue to serve the people of Dalmali North. To my family, and in particular, my parents, who brought us here to Canada. To my wife, Sophie, and my kids, I love you. I thank you for all the support and love you give me. The truth will protect us. Our elder and our family will get through this together. Sorry about the house. Thank you, Speaker. <laughs> wow, what a shame that speech wasn't done before the Academy Awards of two weeks ago. Three weeks ago. Why didn't he do this three weeks ago when all these allegations started swirling? He only does it after he's credibly accused of advocating for the prolonged incarceration of two innocent Canadians at the hands yes. of the CCP. 
Um, and we should go back a little bit because I, my little notepad is just full of notes watching that. And I watched it last night and I took notes when I watched it last night, but I took some more again today of things I want to say, but we should go back a little bit. Um, and if you were living under a rock or if you're wise enough to not pay attention to the mainstream media every day, you might not know the full story. But across Canada, there are approximately 11 ridings, I'm sure there are more, where the Liberal government is credibly accused of benefiting from Chinese communist interference. Um, we know in the lower mainland of BC that Kenny Chu and Alice Wong lost their seats thanks to or the CCP organizing on WeChat, which is a Chinese social media app, to get rid of the two of them. Because the two of them, although ethnically Chinese, are proud, freedom-loving Canadians, and even worse, they're conservative. Yeah. So the Liberals were perfectly happy to reap the benefits of foreign meddling, which they literally won't shut up about, by the way, and I'll get to that in a second, as long as it helped them win their seats. You know, anytime a Liberals tell you, oh, all those people are benefiting, oh, those people over there, those conservatives are benefiting from Russia, blah, blah, blah. It's definitely not that. It's them distracting from them receiving uh, the benefits of foreign meddling. So we know 11 ridings. One of those is Don Valley North, or as David Menzies said in the morning meeting, the People's Republic of Don Valley North <laughs> with liberal MP Han Dong. Now, uh, Han Dong, um, it's no big deal because he investigated himself and found no wrongdoing <laughs> because um, he has been credibly accused by a leaker from CSIS who said that his nomination was contaminated by Chinese influence. They were, the CCP operatives were putting pressure on um, people to vote for him in the nomination, telling uh, foreign students, you better go vote for him or we're going to revoke your visas. They were bussing in elderly Chinese um, senior citizens with Han Dong's name written on their arm. So that I'm not even making this up. It's so blatant. No, I know, I know. So that, so that they knew knew who to vote for when he got there. And then um, <laughs> it comes out late last night. Well, not late last night, but sort of yesterday morning. But the news really picked up steam and went to the top of the mountain peak that he just jumped off of. That he put pressure on a Chinese diplomat, Han Dong being he, on a Chinese diplomat to continue the unlawful incarceration of two innocent Canadians kidnapped by the Chinese state, Michael Spavor and Michael Kovrig, because if those two innocent men were released from their chains, that it would benefit the lib or benefit the conservatives in the lead up to the last election. Right. If I were the families of Michael Spavor and Michael Kovrig, I would want to physically attack this man. I'm not a violent person. The only person I want to do any sort of physical violence to is maybe Dylan Mulvaney and only I want to arm wrestle him. And if I win, he gets <laughs> set up. Like that's it. Um, but I would want to grab that man and throttle him within an inch of his life. Um, and all of this, it, none of this would be coming out now if this man had resigned three weeks ago, but yeah. I, whatever compromise he's got on the liberals allowed him to stay on this long. And it's, I think this is just the tip of the CCP iceberg. <laughs> We've got now at least 11 other ridings where similar things could happen yeah. as what we just saw here. 
And, you know, Sheila, what I'm fascinated with is the evolution of the story going back some three weeks ago. Because right off the bat, Blackface said, uh, if you criticize an Asian Canadian, you are therefore racist. This coming from a guy that's donned Blackface so often, he doesn't even know how many times. So it went from that to, uh, you know, and then Blackface saw the media wasn't giving up on this. It wasn't a 24-hour news cycle story. So he said, uh, all right, um, I'm banning uh, federal government employees from using TikTok on their phones. Uh, are you happy mm -hmm. now? Is that enough anti-China for you? No. So then it went from that to a special rapporteur, not a garden variety one, not an off the rack one, but a special one. And Sheila, you know, a lot of people are confused, as was I when I first heard this term. I had never heard it before, special rapporteur. Well, what is that? It's a fancy couple of words yep. to say an advisor. That's why yeah, David UN Johnson. Sends these, yeah, pardon the me? UN sends the UN sends these people out all the time. Special yeah. rapporteur on human rights. And then they just come, they get some, oh, I'm, I think I'm frozen up. They come, they get a photo opportunity and then they just leave. And that's all they do. And yeah. I think that very similar, that's what's going to happen here. And oh, and oh, by the way, please don't look too far behind the curtain because uh, Johnson, who will be investigating Dong, is actually a family friend of the Trudeaus. They went skiing together. They have, I guess, chalets uh, that are next door. Um, unbelievable. And by the way, I shouldn't mention, uh, Sheila, uh, on, in the Sunday Sun, Warren Kinsella has a column. Now, Warren Kinsella is a diehard liberal as well as the master as, of the smear job. Yeah, and he's as oily he as they come. <laughs> oh, 100%. But he bleeds liberal red. And he said that Johnson should have recused uh, the gig of being the special rapporteur. So it's not just conservatives having a meltdown about this. It's diehard liberals like Warren Kinsella, for goodness sake. So anyways, it went, so, it, uh, so first you're a racist, then a special rapporteur, and then finally this, he's going to remove himself from caucus and sit like an independent. And why wasn't that done in the first place with Vincent Ka? Uh, that's immediately what he did. Uh, he is the uh, progressive conservative uh, member of provincial parliament for Don Valley North. And by the way, Don Valley, and, and, and their offices, Sheila, are about uh, four football fields apart. What is it with Don Valley North? All these, you know, Chinese government infiltrated candidates, allegedly. But he immediately sat as an independent. And we must point out, because uh, there's so much blame that's circling right now. Uh, it's just broke the other day uh, in the Globe and Mail that the Doug Ford government was advised by CSIS last fall. Okay, last fall which begins, uh, you know, in my books, September 21st, I believe, that um, Vincent Ka had uh, um, some luggage uh, to contend with. But we didn't, uh, he didn't step down until just like a, a week and a half ago. And I, like you said, Sheila, there are more liberal writings where I think this interference has occurred. Uh, Ex-conservative leader uh, Aaron O'Toole has said at least eight or nine uh, conservative seats were uh, vanquished thanks to Chinese interference. So as I've always said about this, it is Watergate, uh, yes, Watergate on steroids uh, and perhaps human growth hormone as well. This is going to get worse and worse. It's not going to go away. And it would kind of be, I'm very fascinated to see 
what Jugmeet Singh is going to do in the House. Is he going to continue to chastise the Liberal Party of Canada on social media and in the media and in the press? only to prop them up by votes. I mean, my God, if these most recent allegations don't grow a spine in the NDP leader, I don't know what will, Sheila. Well, and let's just go back to Doug Ford for a second. I don't know why that man is getting a pass on the things we've been hammering Justin Trudeau on. So Doug Ford gets a briefing on uh, his MPP's problems with possibly um, being the beneficiary of foreign influence and does nothing. And everyone's like, but at the same time, everyone is losing their minds, rightfully, might I add, that Justin Trudeau in 2019, all the top Liberal Party brass got a briefing and saying, uh, Han Dong is basically a Chinese operative at this point. What are you going to do about it? And Justin Trudeau intervened to save his nomination. And the worst part is, this is a safe liberal riding. They could have put any liberal there. They wanted Handong because I think they wanted the help in those other ridings like Kenny Chu's, like Alice Wong's from the CCP. So they were willing to put in the CCP's guy in the People's Republic of Don Valley North, even though it was a riding that they could have killed his nomination and put a different liberal in and the liberals still would have won because they wanted to show the Chinese we got you. We'll put your man in there, but we're going to need some help in the lower mainland. And I think that's exactly what happened. But getting back to um, Han Dong's um, speech there, I don't oh, think Sheila, he read it. Bef before Sorry. you do, because I want to uh, follow through on something you just said, sure, how Doug Ford is getting a pass. And you're absolutely right. Uh, Jim Carahalios this morning sent out uh, an email yeah. blast where he noted that uh, at Queen's Park, Neither the Liberals or the NDPers or the Greens are saying anything about this. The silence is deafening. Now, why wouldn't you? This is a, a potential scandal that you've had an MPP uh, put in power thanks to Chinese interference. And, you know, it's so sad to me, Sheila, that we don't have at least one ind independent MPP, like a candidate with the new Blue Party, to raise these questions. Because why would the opposition be so timid to condemn Doug Ford about this. I, I, I think they've all maybe got skeletons in their closet when it comes to this Bingo. issue. Yeah. Bingo, exactly. Um, that's exactly it. And uh, the media in and around there is pretty uh, contaminated by Justin Trudeau money. So it's hard to hammer Doug Ford yeah. on this because he's a so-called conservative, I guess in name only, if your guy, <laughs> yeah. if your guy in the House of Commons is doing the exact same thing, right? Your paymaster is doing that at the federal level. Kind of hard to hammer the local guy for that kind of thing. But going back to uh, Handong's statement there, uh, from what I understand, his phone actually rang in the middle of that statement. I wonder if that was <laughs> Beijing on the phone saying, what are you doing, Han? What are you doing? Um, but Ding dong. When he's I don't think he actually read that statement before he read it. Like, I don't think he, I don't think he wrote it. I think it was handed to him probably by Katie Telford. And they said, okay, get up, read this immediately because things were getting pretty, pretty ugly yesterday. Um, and it was the blubbering. I think the blubbering is what got oh, yes. to me. 
You don't think those were genuine tears? Well, you know, Sheila. Well, I think they were, but not for the reason we think they were or like that people would say that they were. Can Um, you see this? Can you see this item in my hand? What is it? It's a tiny little case and inside it is the world's smallest (laughs) violin. And I'll I'll play it. Oh, so enough of that. (laughs) It's the blubbering as a woman sort of really gets to me. I just, it just makes your ovaries just turn to dust. I just, I can't. Um, But also I think he, I think those might be genuine tears. Ah, I keep freaking up. Uh, I think they are genuine genuine tears out of, oh, they're fear tears is what I think. I think he's scared. Yeah, exactly. I see this in courts from time to time when you have somebody that's being sent away for 25 years for murder and the waterworks go on. Is it because of the guilt of what they did to their victim when he killed him or her? Or is it because they've got caught? He, he's been caught and none of his arguments stuck. And he's going to the big house for a quarter of a century. Is that what's making him cry? Yeah, it's the latter. It's being caught, uh, not sympathy for the victim. Also, I think, you know, like he is an operative. I'll just say it, allegedly, of the Chinese state. And he just listed all of his family that are probably going to be the focus of uh, Chinese strong arming going forward. Um, we know that they can get him elected. They can do other terrible, terrible things uh, to his friends and family. But that's the deal you make when you make a deal with the devil, isn't it? Well, indeed. And Sheila, can we now finally uh, cut to the chase, as they say in Hollywood? Forget the special rapporteur with Blackface's family friend. Can we have a legitimate public inquiry? Can we have a police investigation? Thank you. Where the hell yeah. are the RCMP? I, I know you're really busy, guys, uh, at Roxham Road uh, turning into a bellhop service, but maybe you ought to look at this kind of interference by foreign governments in, in Canada uh, even before this special rapporteur, uh, you know, delivers uh, his report, because we know there's an investigation at CSIS. Who's the whistleblower? This is Blackface's yeah. version of getting to the bottom of things. He wants to know who was singing like a canary as opposed to the scandal itself, Sheila. Yeah, and I think it, it's just so ironic, right? The liberals who won't shut up about protecting the integrity of our democracy and oh those truckers were a kremlin led operation with like zero zero evidence of that whatsoever but all they were trying to do was point the finger in that direction because they were actually being directed out of beijing so yeah. this completely organic human rights movement the freedom convoy for the liberals it actually made sense to them that it was a kremlin led operation because they're a Beijing-led operation. So it makes it, it's not a far leap for them. 100%. And, and again, to analyze his words in that four-minute clip, Sheila, when Dong started talking about, um, you know, fighting for the human rights of Canadians, you know, brushing off the fact that he had anything to do with increasing the incarceration time of the two Michaels. Yeah, this is a guy talking about being a champion for human rights. Why was it, Sheila, that Mr. Dong, at the last second, 
you know, left the House of Commons right. twice when there were two motions to condemn the Chinese Communist Party for the ongoing genocide of the Uyghur people in China, in his home country. Why did he do that? Yeah. Yeah, that's a great point. I almost forgot about that in all the Handong scandals. I had forgotten that there were signals that this was happening all along. All we had to do is pay attention to it. And yes, indeed, he did pop out of two votes to condemn China for its genocide of the Uyghur Muslims and Turkic minorities yep. in China. And one of those was a liberal introduced motion. Yes. He, he couldn't <laughs> like... He was more loyal to the CCP than his own party, despite his stupid red tie. He left. And if we were paying attention, we might have noticed that. And anybody who didn't vote in that motion should be under some pretty serious scrutiny right now. And, you know, I would love to see somebody in the Ottawa press gallery grow a set and ask a question they should have been asking for the past decade, that given all this baggage, thanks to China, it's not just the interference in our elections, uh, Sheila. It's not just the ongoing genocide of the Uyghur people. It's not just the fact that the Wuhan virus originated out of China and cost, what, almost 7 million lives these past few years and untold trillions trillions of economic damage does prime minister justin blackface trudeau still admire the basic dictatorship of china which is what he said in toronto in in 2013 before he became prime minister why isn't anyone asking him that sheila also they're trying to write currently by the way if they didn't try to take over the world or kill the world with the wuhan virus they're making a human monkey hybrid over there. I saw how that movie ends. <laughs> I saw, and it, humanity doesn't do well in it. Yeah. First ever human monkey hybrid created. Oh my oh, goodness. Geez. In China. Yeah. I, I know. I think the movie ends with Charlton Heston on a beach staring at the runes of the Statue of Liberty, going, You bastards, you blew We're it up. All yeah. We're all going to get murdered by monkeys with AKs. This is how this ends for us. This is why I cheer for the asteroid. It seems more humane. Um, well, we should go ahead. Go. Why would anyone want a monkey hybrid? I mean, like one of the most disturbing things as a child watching The Wizard of Oz is that the Wicked Witch of the West had monkeys that had wings. You know, aren't yeah. monkeys mischievous enough? without the ability to fly. I mean, that really creeped me out that a monkey could fly. So what's the idea behind a human monkey hybrid? Is there some labor shortage and they need, you know, they need cheap labor behind the counter? You think about this. So all the strength of a higher primate, the cunning of a human without the humanity of a human, we are screwed. This is a super army. That's what I see. I never thought of that. I'm scared. Um, we should move along. <laughs> what a tangent, Sheila. We should move along because uh, Mark Gerritsen, uh, you know, I got to tell you, I always say when I list the MPs of the liberals or when I talk about them, that this one is the stupidest one or this one is the stupidest one. Like, for example, quite frequently, I accuse Seamus O'Regan of being the stupidest oh. MP of parliament. But Mark Gerritsen, boy, he put on his running shoes and he's coming around the corner. He's really catching up to Seamus O'Regan because he is 
terrible at Twitter. And he uh, weighed in on the controversy of Katie Telford being called to testify um, at the House uh, Affairs Committee to discuss election interference. Look at this. So Mark Gerritsen, uh, you know what? I think today he wins dumbest. Uh, he says, uh, I think it's unacceptable to demand staff appear before committee. The only chiefs of staff to come forward before committee, to my knowledge, this is where it's because you don't have any knowledge, Mark, have been after they're out of politics. Having said this, I appreciate Katie Telford's willingness to do whatever necessary after three weeks of filibustering to make parliament work, even if that means breaking a 300 year old tradition, as said by Pierre Polyev when he refused to send staff in 2010. Uh, but that's not true because uh, chiefs of staff have, um, they've testified in the past. It's just that Mark is um, not a very smart man. What does he mean, Sheila, by a 300 year old tradition? Because our country is just a little over 150 years old. <laughs> dumb, 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 dumb man. He's Did a he very multiply stupid by two man. or something? <laughs> he is like, between him, Seamus O'Regan, and Omar Al Jabra. The goblin. Those three are like the goblin. The hog they goblin. Are <laughs> just, I know, they're just the stupidest people. Um, Don't forget I, I, um, Pinocchio, or I mean Mendicino. He has to be up there. Oh, yeah. Yeah, he's really <laughs> dumb, too. See, this is the problem. Anytime I talk about them, I'm like, no, that guy's the dumbest. That guy's the dumbest. I think, though, um, maybe the dumbest will always be Catherine McKenna, who's gone on to work for the United Nations. So, Wow. They really fail upwards, these people, don't they, Sheila? <laughs> Oh, well, and as like Twitter had to put a warning label on his tweet, that one that we just read, by the way, I was just looking out of the corner of my eye. Oh. So it says readers added more context. They thought people might want to know. Thanks to Twitter. Thank you, Elon Musk, by the way, yeah. making Twitter the more fun. The new and improved Twitter. Okay. So <laughs> readers added Telford has actually testified mul multiple times. Uh, she testified during the Wee scandal and the Vance investigation and there was actually bipartisan support to have her testify. So not only is it not a 300-year-old tradition in our under 200-year-old uh, country, but Telford herself has previously testified in, I suppose, other liberal scandals <laughs> that we lost track of over the last seven years. And Sheila, to me, that speaks of how huge this scandal really is. But you know what? I got to tell you, my friend. Um, I'm not hopeful at all about her testimony because I think almost every question is going to be answered with one of two answers, which is I don't know or I cannot release that information based on national security concerns. You mark my words. It is going to be the biggest nothing burger that this woman delivers. Oh, we should just finish up one little thing on the China file and then uh, we should hit an ad break because we're 35 yes. minutes in to a one-hour show, and we haven't done an ad break, and I can already hear the complaints coming my way. Um, so it's, <laughs> it's from Blacklocks on the federal government blacklist of um, Freedom Convoy sympathizers. It was emailed to foreign banks. So the blacklist of the convoy supporters didn't just happen here in Canada, financial institutions, um, insurers, even Farm Credit Canada, what a disgrace you people are. Um, 
that were canceling people's accounts or denying them credit in the case of Farm Credit Canada or canceling their insurance, seizing their bank accounts. It went further than that. So the liberals emailed people's financial information and their names as enemies of the state. This is an enemies of the state list, by the way. And they sent it to foreign banks on Wall Street and, of course, Beijing. So uh, this came out, oh, this is an order paper question that came back from Arnold Viersen, really great conservative MP in Northern Alberta. Um, and he wanted information on just who the liberals shared your political leanings with um, in, an, in an attempt to get you canceled. And uh, it went as far as Wells Fargo, the Bank of China, the State Bank of India, Citibank of New York, the Habib Bank of Pakistan, Hana Financial Group of South Korea, another bank in India, another bank in Japan. It gets crazy. All these people know your political leanings now. You, you know, Sheila, it's crazy, but it's also chilling. And I should point out something. Later today, I will be delivering our petition. It's almost 10,000 names long to Handong's constituency office in the People's Republic of Don Valley North. And for the first time ever, what we have done, folks, is we have removed your names from the petition and just putting your initials. And the reason is we don't want uh, the People's Republic of China to get your hands, to get their hands on your names. I mean, because we do know there are actually um, police stations, Chinese police stations operating in Canada. So we don't want you to get a shakedown from one of those uh, officers. And I can't even believe I said that. And secondly, we don't want to give any names to Christian Freeland so that right. she can do something uh, to your banking. You know, Sheila, sometimes I don't recognize our great dominion anymore. The idea that uh, a petition taking a stance, uh, engaging in a protest, a peaceful protest, can result in the government coming after you like an anteater swallowing ants. It is absolutely disgraceful. It is. It is. It, it's something we never had to consider before. Yep. But it's something we, we have to consider going forward is that, um, you know, what does the government do with this information now? They, they've gotten away with canceling people once based on their political views. And we know that they are perfectly happy to turn over your information to the Bank of China um, if there might be some unfortunate Chinese expats who donated to the Freedom Convoy. Sorry about your luck, and I wish your family the best if they are still in China because we know what happens there. Um, yeah. But this, these are things we have to consider now, and it's it's insane. And, and, you know, and Sheila, that's how the Chinese police operate in Canada, as I understand. And so far worldwide, more than 230,000 Chinese nationals have gone back to China to atone for their crimes, which might be just having a uh, impolite viewpoint of the uh, communist regime in Beijing. But these police officers, they're not weaponized. They don't wear a badge. They just make a house call. They say who they are. And they say, listen, we've been monitoring what you've had to say, what you've written on social media. We don't like it. Um, we can do this the easy way or the hard way, which is to say you can get on a flight back to China, or we know you have friends and colleagues and family members in China. We can go after them. And that's what is the wedge 
to make people leave. And it's all done under the auspices of the way they have sold this, uh, Sheila, to Western nations is that you have a, tr you have, um, a problem with uh, Chinese telecom fraud. Well, we're the experts in on that yeah. file. We know how to flush out those conniving rats. But it, when they spread their net, it's not just telecom fraudsters. It's citizens who have a, uh, like I said, an impolite viewpoint of the regime in Beijing. And this is disgraceful how this has ever been allowed. I mean, would Beijing ever allow the Toronto Police Service to set up shop there? No, and they're spying us on us in ways we can't even imagine. And yep. their spying is like 30 years in advance of ours. And what I mean by that is, I think TikTok is an intel gathering operation on our young people, our future CIA agents, our future CSIS agents, our future military. Every yep. day they gather compromise on them and they get to know who their friends and family are so that they're easily manipulated. But also simultaneously, TikTok is also rewiring their brains with the garbage pushed in front of them. So it causes social decay. Um, so China will never have to take us over. They'll have destroyed us in advance um, through the things that they do. And of course, then there's Huawei. You know, Huawei is just the um, telecom spy arm of the Chinese state. They helped develop uh, software that identified Uyghurs on the street for getting snatched and grabbed. Um, they did that through facial recognition. And that was happening during the time that we were considering giving them just access to the Canadian 5G network. It just really bizarre stuff. Um, and I can't wait to have a government that will actually disentangle from China and see it for the evil empire that it really is. Um, we should. Oh, before we, but I just want to okay. say to end that thought, Sheila, uh, but let's be fair. Yes, the Chinese are excelling in the fields of math and science to bring about all that kind of uh, technological chicanery, but they don't have drag queen story time. They don't have a shop teacher with enormous Z cup breasts. <laughs> <laughs> right, Alton District. So uh, take that, uh, you Beijing bullies. <laughs> yeah. In the meantime, they're normalizing that stuff to our kids <laughs> by putting it in front of them on TikTok. Um, while they're just like, no, we don't do that in China. Sorry, our kids are learning math. <laughs> our you kids know, are they're going to win space. this war. They're going to win this yeah. war without firing a single bullet, Sheila. Oh, they don't have to. That's why yeah. they have like hundred-year plans. Yep. And we can't uh, get our act together 18 months uh, out, you know, like they, they're playing the long game and uh, they're winning. As I always say, I'm not sure we actually did win the Cold War. The front <laughs> changed and we didn't realize. Um, OK, so we should uh, we've got an ad break, but it's not really an ad break. It's a teaser about something that um, our friends Alexa Lavoie and Lincoln Jay have been working on in the background. Oh. And it is an incredible expose of what has been happening at Roxham Road, and they did it from the inside. You won't believe it. Anyways, let's let's throw to that. Yes, Blackberry. Yes. Roxham? Yes. Roxham Road? Yes. Well, Monzilla, Pre-Roxham, Delmet. You came to, to Mexico and did you ask for asylum? Yeah, yeah. Un amigo de nosotros estaba aquí en Nueva York, se fue para allá y ya le dieron el permiso para trabajar. 
stay in your own country. I'm here with a purpose. There is a process to determine whether someone is a refugee. There are steps to go through. Those who are seeking to go somewhere else, not we're pushing or forcing, if they're seeking to go somewhere else, we are helping in the reticketing process. There's so many homeless here, and they're bringing people from other countries where there's people here struggling with mental illness. The issue starts at our southern border, where the U.S. has declined to enforce uh, proper immigration. And you allow them to live in a hotel, but yet the major crisis of homelessness is very, very big. So I'm in Roxham Road and I'm waiting actually for Lincoln G to arrive. He just uh, arrived in Plattsburgh and he took a cab. Just like that, I'm in the back of a taxi cab waiting to go to Roxham Road. Why wouldn't you ask that? You're running across the border. You have to go to police will look you. Wow, Sheila, that is going to be a doozy. I know it. Um, the thing is, with all the subsidies the mainstream media is getting, why aren't they doing this kind of investigative journalism when it comes to Roxham Road, which is an international disgrace, by the way? Because they're cheering for it. Yeah. Uh, speaking of which, while we were on air a little while ago, news broke because Biden was in Canada today. And we'll go to the CBC on this. Uh, Ottawa has reached a deal with the United States to allow it to close Roxham Road. Why did we have to have a deal? Why didn't we just we don't. put up a fence? We don't. She we could just put up a fence. It's not. It's not a border crossing. Just put up a fence. We didn't have to do any of this. Um, this is the biggest scam of the century, and I haven't read that story yet, but y they're saying, oh, well, there's a loophole. No, there is no loophole. You do not have to accept these refugees or yeah. illegal migrants into Canada. W according to the Act, once they're in a safe haven country, i.e. the U.S., that's it. They've crossed the finish line. And you can't use the excuse of, oh, mean Mr. Orange Trump is in power. He might He's deport not them. There. It's Yeah, that, that's ancient history now. So um, this that story, it looks to me, is about a policy initiative which they've always had the ability to implement from day one. Well, yeah, it looks like Justin Trudeau taking credit for brokering a deal to solve a problem he could have fixed with a chain link fence. Exactly. Um, and some deportation orders. And Alexa Lavoie has a story coming up where she, she went to the border because, you know, she's in Montreal. She can go there. But I'm reliably informed that there are a lot of journalists in Montreal taking subsidies from the federal government who could also just go on down to Roxham Road and do yep. the same sort of investigative journalism that Alexa's doing. But they won't because they're cheering for this sort of stuff. And by the way, some of the people who are the strongest um, in opposition to what's happening at Roxham Road are new Canadians, people who did everything right yep. to get here, and they love Canada, and they don't want to see our citizenship diminished by people who are not following the rules to come here. But Alexa right. found, just by looking on the ground, documents that showed that people were being deported from the United States because they didn't qualify for asylum there. So instead of uh, going and allowing yourself to be deported, 
they ran for the Canadian border. And so they're country shopping is what's happening here. And again, it diminishes our citizenship and it, the, it puts people who are trying to do things the right way, way back in the queue. And those are the people I want here. I want people who love our country enough to follow our rules. Um, but and anyways, you know what, Sheila, if I might add, because this is what Marxists always do, look how they change the language. It's not an e illegal border crossing. It's irregular. Irregular. Uh, it's not an illegal migrant. It's an irregular. I mean, they, they water it down. They soften it. I mean, if I went out and robbed a bank, I'm not going to be described as an irregular bank customer. I'm going to be called a bank robber. But apparently when it comes to this issue, we can't use a harsh term like illegal, even though, you know, they're crossing the border illegally. Yeah. Um, by the way, I'm just re we're reading this. We're seeing the news just like everybody else. But as I read this article, I'm like, oh, this actually doesn't solve a problem. It just says we're actually going to make it easier for them because now they don't have to walk across the border at Roxham. Here's what's happening. Uh, the Trudeau government has reached a deal with the United States on a regular migration, which will allow Ottawa, which they always could have done, to close the Roxham Road irregular crossing at the Canada-U.S. border. It's literally a ditch with a makeshift police station there. Yep. Uh, we saw all the fences they were able to put up in Ottawa. Hire that guy again. Yeah. You know, he's, he's an approved <laughs> contractor for the feds. And tell him to just put it up at Roxham Road in between those two parallel roads. Anyway, uh, sources told Radio Canada or as they say, Radio Canada, that Ottawa has agreed to welcome. This is the part where I'm like, oh, they didn't actually solve the problem. They just said, why don't you come through Pearson? Uh, so so um, sources told Radio Canada that Ottawa has agreed to welcome a certain number of migrants through official channels. That precise details of the deal are not known. So this comes just ahead of Joe Biden's planned trip to Canada and they're going to get a photo up and say, look, we've solved the migrant process, crossing uh, crisis, uh, but they didn't actually solve it. They said, oh, you don't, you don't actually have to go through there now. Um, you can actually just get a direct flight to Pearson or Trudeau airport, Montreal. How does that solve anything? It doesn't, it doesn't. <laughs> We're still getting migrant. They just don't have to like take a cab to the border. They can just actually, instead of getting to upstate New York and then taking a cab, they can actually fly just directly into Pearson, it sounds like, and then apply for asylum again in a second country instead of the safe first country that they landed in. This doesn't stop. You know what's going to happen to Pearson? Holy moly. Um, it's going to be nonstop there. Um, and it's going to like, just, it's going to be mayhem at Pearson yeah, because of this. Uh and, uh, and of course, Pearson's new media rules, Sheila, is you have to give them 24 hours notice uh, that you're covering a story and they're going to approve or disprove that. By the way, uh, not buying it. I'm just going to show up as I've always done in my journalistic yeah. career. And when they get to the major cities of Toronto or Montreal, uh, then they're offloaded uh, primarily to Cornwall, Windsor, and if you can believe it, folks, Niagara Falls. More than 2,000 hotel rooms in Niagara Falls are housing some 5,000 plus migrants because there's either two or three migrants uh, per room. Gee, I, I hope they um, get some nice rooms, Sheila, a view of the falls, you know, the, the heart-shaped hot tub. I mean, we don't want to make it too rough for them in the honeymoon capital of the world, do we now? 
80 plus, I think it's 82% of illegal border crossers require what they call accommodation at the expense of the Canadian taxpayer. So I'm, I'm for um, immigration. Yeah. I'm completely in favor of immigration, but I'm in favor of orderly economy-based immigration. Yep. If we need pipe fitters, let's bring in some pipe fitters from Eastern Europe, you know, like, and I'm actually pro-refugee, which is why I was so angry when Justin Trudeau no longer prioritized Christian refugees from the Middle East in the middle of the ISIS genocide. Um, but there are rules to follow to ensure that we don't collapse the social system for everybody that's here and everybody that plans to come here through the appropriate channels. And, and you know, Sheila, when we look this is the other thing we have to address, the cost. And it's uh, not just the cost of those hotel rooms, but we're looking at meals. Uh, and I'm basing this on our Niagara Falls report when Lincoln J and I went to Niagara Falls and saw this firsthand. Uh, a $75 a day meal allowance, clothing, uh, transportation. And when I say transportation, oh, no, 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 no. Not public transit, not even an Uber. We're talking uh, taxi cab classic. You know, it costs a lot of money to get around in a taxi cab. I can't afford cabs, Sheila. Um, so you add up all that um, additional expenses and you're talking several more millions and millions of dollars. Yeah, um, we should um, move ahead from this just because we have a couple of things left in the YouTube headline to avoid me getting angry emails saying, oh, I tuned in <laughs> to hear you talk about that. And then you didn't. Um, we should get to those um, and then we'll do chats. So left in the YouTube headline, we have um, the Democrats in the United States are delaying once again the anticipated arrest of former President Donald Trump. I think they're realizing that this will weaponize middle-of-the-road Republicans, the Nikki Haley types, the Jeb Bush types, um, the Mitt Romney types, people who are sort of in that mushy middle camp. Yeah. All of a sudden, when the Democrats are perverting the justice system and perverting the um, grand jury system to weaponize it against your political enemies, because as they say in the United States, a grand jury will indict a ham sandwich if you ask them to. <laughs> I think they're figuring out this is going to be a very, very bad for us in the polls if we do indeed kick for the third or fourth time at the can of um, Donald Trump in the anticipation that he will probably be the declared nominee, the Republican nominee, and the Democrats have a Swiss cheese-brained Alzheimer patient, Joe Biden, as their presumed nominee. Uh, I think they're realizing that this is going to go bad. But now I don't think they know how to back themselves out of it. So they just keep delaying the indictment by a day, by a day, by a day. I, I don't think they know how to get out of this mess that they've gotten themselves into. No, I, I think you're right, Sheila. Uh, careful what you wish for. Today, it's a uh, ex-Republican president being hauled before a grand jury. Tomorrow, it might be a Democrat one. Is that the precedent you really want to do? By the way, while you were speaking, um, the graphic of the ABC News story uh, was being shown. And like I said, how the language changes and how words matter. Um, this uh, non-disclosure agreement with Stormy Daniels is continually in the mainstream media referred to as hush money. 
And I can tell you, ABC News itself, I bet you they get into an NDA, a non-disclosure agreement, every week. And they don't call that hush money. But when it's Trump, it's hush money, not an NDA. And as far as I'm concerned, look at the facts of the matter. Um, I think President Trump has a great case to sue Stormy Daniels. She has violated the non-disclosure agreement, or as the mainstream media calls it, hush money. So um, I don't think there's any there there in going after this point. As a matter of fact, I'd much rather see, oh, I don't know, Hunter Biden indicted, uh, given the content on that laptop. But we know where uh, the left is on that. Uh, if you look at Twitter under the old regime, uh, the New York Post that broke that story, they lost their Twitter account for reporting factual news, Sheila. So um, you're right, maybe they are going to back down. That I will tell you this, I will bet you $1,000 that there is no way Donald Trump is gonna see the inside of a prison cell, but this is what his enemies want. They want to see Trump in the orange jumpsuit. They wanna see him handcuffed with the leg irons on. It's not gonna happen. And by the way, if it doesn't happen today, I'll tell you, Sheila, it's not gonna to happen tomorrow because I understand the grand jury doesn't sit on Friday. So uh, I guess we'd be looking uh, to Monday at the earliest. But um, I think you're right. I think when you see Democrats themselves saying, uh, do we really wanna go there? And, and there's the added thing, Sheila, won't this just embolden Donald Trump's base? I mean, you know, the injustice of him being hauled before um, a grand jury for a person who violated the non-disclosure agreement, which of course is called hush money when it comes to Republican. When it's a Democrat, it's an NDA. It, the hypocrisy is off the charts. You know, I, I just, this reminds me to, of something else though. And it was, it's, I'm not going to take credit for it. I'm reminded of it by Anne McElhaney and Phelan McAleer, uh, two American podcasters from Ireland who made the incredible movie Frack Nation. And uh, they were talking about the hypocrisy of the conservative movement on this yesterday. And they're, they're conservatives, um, although I think nonpartisan, sort of like me. So uh, I sort of heeded what they had to say. But what Trump is really in trouble for is that the NDA money that changed hands, they claim it was a benefit to his campaign. Yes. It should have gone because shutting her up was a benefit to the campaign. And so they play like right. Lucy Goosey with these campaign finance laws because if what she had to say had come out, um, if what she had to say had come out, it would have hurt the campaign. So it was a benefit to the campaign to keep her shut up, whatever. By the way, Trump's not gonna sue her. What is she? What is he gonna get out of her? She has nothing. There was pictures of her having a garage sale to try to like um, make some money after her former lawyer took her for a ride there and now he's in jail. Um, but yeah, what is he going to get out of her, her implants? Like there, she's got nothing, but <laughs> Anne McElhaney and Phelan is, McAleer. Is, is there a market for used implants, Sheila? I don't know. I have no idea. I have no idea. Uh, anyway, uh, Anne McElhaney and Phelan McAleer rightfully pointed out how conservatives have done this in the past. Um, with John Edwards. So yes. John, remember they fast and loose with the campaign finance laws. So John Edwards, he was the, he was probably going to win that Democrat nomination for 2008. Um, he was a Senator. 
he got involved in an affair with a very, very weird woman named Rael Hunter. I think she can talk to him in a bar and said something about his vibrations or whatever. And he was instantly smitten. If somebody talks to me about my vibrations in a bar, I'm like headed the other way. I'm, make, I'm leaving before you roofie me. Um, but uh, so he ended up having an affair with this woman and a baby, by the way. And then I think the campaign hired her. Yes. Hired her and put her up in the most expensive apartment that she could find because her, I guess her spiritual advisor, again, Kukaloo, uh, her spiritual advisor said, okay, well, there are three, these three apartments, but this is the one with the highest vibrations, the highest vibrations one being the most expensive. So they put her up in this hotel or apartment, whatever. And I think that was being paid through the campaign because she was, I don't know, I think produced all of a sudden producing videos for the campaign, which I think was just child support through the campaign. But anyway, uh, what happened was his him putting her into that hotel room or whatever it was, condo, penthouse, whatever. They say, and he paid out of pocket for that. They said that should have been a campaign uh, expense because him having the perception of a happy marriage was a benefit to his campaign. So by him putting his mistress somewhere to keep her, to shut her up and him paying out of pocket for it, like he should have, they said that should have went through the campaign because it was a campaign expense because his happy marriage was a benefit to the campaign. And so they got him on a campaign finance violation. It was, they just abused the campaign finance laws to get rid of John Edwards. And uh, he was a Democrat and the conservatives did it to him. So they do this stuff all the time on both sides. Mm. Um, and I don't, I, but I don't think it's going to work this time. Well, um, like I said, the grand jury doesn't sit on Fridays. Uh, that's a nice gig, isn't it, Sheila? Three three day work week for that. <laughs> I mean, no, yeah. weekend. Uh, so maybe uh, I, I don't think anything's going to happen today. But like I said, uh, for those Trump haters out there that want uh, that video of him sitting in a jail cell, it's just not going to happen. But from that, we also, because uh, I see it's in our um, uh, title of our daily roundup lineup, uh, Pastor Derek gets bail. Yes. Wow. What's the story there, Sheila? Yeah, yeah it was a wild day in court. A um, lot of anti-Christian sentiment, as I had expected. So, um, and the reason I was li- able to listen to Ann and Phelan's uh, podcast is because I made the eight-hour round trip to Calgary to cover this because I knew there would be no other journalists in the room. Um, and we do have Calgary journalists, but one of them is deployed to Lethbridge to cover a trial there. And Angelica was outside with the protesters. So I came down to cover it. And uh, so Derek has been in jail for, well, he's out now, but about a week um, for protesting at a drag queen story hour, which according to the police was in direct violation of his conditions of release on protesting at a previous drag queen story hour. He was charged with mischief and causing a disturbance at that when he went into the Seaton library and uh, heckled a drag queen, which apparently is against the law, um, according to these people. So Derek went last week to protest at another library. But here's the thing. Derek was arrested 
160 meters from the front of the library. Derek's conditions say you need to stay 200 meters away. So they got him on a technicality, but it was pretty clear to the judge that Derek had made a good faith attempt to comply by his conditions. They got him on a 400 or a 40 meter technicality. And his lawyer rightfully pointed out, if he were trying to breach the conditions, as opposed to comply with the spirit of the conditions, he would have just been at the front door barging in. But he didn't do that. He was back and the police, according to the Crown, didn't warn him that he was in violation. They didn't say like, hey, Derek, I think you're like at 150, 160. Would you mind going over there? They never gave him that opportunity. They just breached him immediately. Outrageous. Um, and, 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 and Sheila, may I ask? Because, you know, this might sound like a gag, but it isn't. Were the Calgary police, did they have a tape measure out and they were actually measuring the physical distance? Because let's face it, 40 meters and a 200 meter perimeter, uh, that's nothing. And like you said, they could have said, sir, you're uh, you're 40 meters too far in. Go to that lamppost or whatever. Um, like, how did the police know where the 160 meter mark was? They gave, they did GPS mapping is what, from what I understand. And you can see there's video of them breaching him, picking him up on the breach. And they never warned him. They never said like, Hey, would you mind just going over there? Um, and it was clear, like anytime he's arrested, he just goes, he doesn't resist. He's not violent. Um, so he was released on $5,000, no cash bail. Um, no contact or public statements with certain named people from the Seton Library events so the people who had given statements against him. Uh, no contact with participants or performers at drag events. No contact or interference with any um, at a, anyone at a public or private LGBTQ event. So that means he has to stay 300 meters away from these drag events. But outside of that 300 meters, he can't bother anybody who's trying to enter the event. So if they have to run the gauntlet of Pastor Derek, um, he can't bother them. And then the standard prohibition on weapons or guns or anything like that. Um, but when I was in the courtroom, it was very anti-Christian. Um, the Crown prosecutor was saying things that eventually the judge had to stop her and say, you Where's the evidence of what you're saying? She kept saying that Pastor Derek had said that people in the LGBTQ and then some other letters, that community, um, <laughs> I heard it 20 times yesterday and I just, whatever. Um, but people from that community, she said that Pastor Derek had called them dirty and called for them to be eliminated. And she said this multiple times. So finally the judge said, you haven't, shown me any proof that he said that like you're saying that he's making a call for genocide mm. if that's the case you need to charge him with a hate crime but he didn't say any of those things and when the judge called her on it she said okay well maybe he didn't say those things uh, the judge asked for proof of some of the hateful rhetoric that uh pastor Derek had said that she said was um i guess uh would amount to hate. And that was another thing too. Uh, Derek's lawyer pointed out like, look, this these are charges of mischief and causing a disturbance. You want to elevate those for some reason to the level of a hate crime. If that's the case, you need to charge him with a hate crime, but you don't have enough evidence to do that because nothing he said there is a hate crime. So you yeah. can't hold him behind bars as though he has a hate crime. 
He doesn't. Um, also, the judge pointed out like, hey, you're crazy to want to keep him behind bars if we can find a way to get him out and yeah. give him conditions that he can comply with because he's at 11 days of pretrial custody, time and a half, he will never see the inside of a jail cell if he's convicted of everything that he had. Um, so uh, let me just, I'm just trying to find my, in my tweets here. So the Crown read from apparently damning statements made by Reimer against the LGBT community. or And this is evidence, according to them, that he will reoffend. So this is what they said. We have to follow our conviction. This is what Derek said. This is the damning statements. We have to follow our convictions. I don't know. It's generally good advice. I give that advice to my kids every day. We have to do what God calls us to do. Uh, again, that's Christian orthodoxy. I have to challenge these conditions. That's his legal right to have a bail review. In my cell, I was praying a lot. Actually, I think that's where he found God the first time around is when he was convicted of violence in uh, like up until I think about 2011, 2013, 2015. That's where he found the Lord. Um, a burning, he has a burning desire to do God's will. He's compelled by the Holy Spirit. What's more important, my freedom or doing God's will. This is about light versus darkness. We don't hate people. We hate the sin. That's like Jesus's advice. Um, and it's worthy to suffer in God's name. Uh, it's Lent. This is the season of suffering. I would say these exact things. Would this crown want to put me in jail for this? Um, she also said that, um, where, where, let me just go through this. Um, she said, this is what Derek's lawyer said. Derek's statements are religiously charged and not everybody is going to agree with his placed value on the Bible. Some people may find his comments rude, but he's still entitled to protest. And that was one of the things that they wanted to ensure was in the conditions that Derek's right to protest these things that he feels biblically charged to do was still, there was a balance between making sure that he doesn't, I guess, annoy people in the LGBT community, which apparently is a crime in Calgary, and his constitutionally protected right to protest. Um, so the Crown also said, like, we can't let him out because he's threatened to, he's repeatedly threatened to reoffend. And the judge, or, and the Crown said, um, her evidence of that was he said repeatedly that he will be obedient to God above the government or police, which is biblical orthodoxy. Uh, she said that uh, Derek spews hate. He incites hatred through his words. Really? Um, yeah, she said that. And uh, there was one more thing. She said, the Crown tried to argue that Derek saying homosexuality is a sin is inciting hate under a hate crimes law, which he's not charged with, by the way, because she knows that that won't pass the sniff test. Yeah. The judge disagreed. And so did Derek's lawyer, pointing out that one of the exceptions to the hate crimes law is belief in, in a religious text. So she was just doing everything she could to keep him behind bars yesterday. Even though if he's convicted, he will walk with time served. Unbelievable, Sheila. And, you know, I don't know if we can get back to those bail conditions because something jumped out at me. We've talked about this before. And it was something where um, there's a condition where he has to maintain a certain distance from public or private LGBT, et cetera, events. Now, could that possibly mean, uh, I think we got it here. I think Super Producer Efren has found it. Yeah. Um, 
So no contact interference with anyone at any public or private LGBTQ event. So in other words, Sheila, what if you walked into a Tim Hortons or a Starbucks and there's a gathering of members of that community there uh, just having their book of the month discussion? Uh, would that be in violation of his uh, bail agreement? I think it is. So how is he supposed to know like he's a psychic, uh, like the amazing Kreskin, who is in a particular room or not? Um, I just think those bail conditions are designed to make him fail and breach the bail. Well, this was their attempt to split the baby because previously his conditions said that uh, he could not have any contact with anyone from the LGBT community directly <laughs> or indirectly. What does that mean? So you can't talk to someone on the phone. Like if I call the bank yeah. and the guy on the other line is gay and I don't know, and I'm Derek, have I breached my bail conditions? Derek yeah, I guess. regularly regularly feeds the homeless in downtown Calgary. That's one of the things that Mission 7 Ministries does. He would never deny someone access to a sandwich or a granola bar or a juice yeah. if they were gay. But he would breach his conditions if he handed it to them. So the, yeah. this was his attempt to split. Like if he went into Starbucks and said, uh, I'd love a... Uh, a large whatever they serve at their fancy coffee. But I'm more of a McDonald's girl. Um, but, you know, if he went in there and he asked for a large coffee, he would have to quiz the barista on their exactly. sexuality before his money changed hands. And so these were, I guess, this is six of one, half a dozen of another. It's not perfect, um, but it's not as bad as it was. Yeah, I mean, it, it, you know, it sounds perverse, but he walks into, say, a McDonald's and says, you know, I'd like to put in a food order, but before I do... Um, you wouldn't happen to be gay, lesbian, trans, bisexual, pansexual, and uh, the rest of the 17 letters on down. Uh, first of all, that would be a breach of privacy but, uh, that you're trying to, to do to the server. Yeah. But that's the way those bail conditions are written, as far as my understanding is. Did that yeah. one get removed, Sheila? That one was removed. So it ah. became LGBTQ events. So as in Derek couldn't barge in to disrupt a gay wedding, which he's never done anyways. He seems <laughs> acutely focused on drag queen story hours happening at the public library paid for by the taxpayer. That seems to be where his issue lies. He's not out there, you know, kicking in the door at the local United Church, which I think is just like a, a self-help group now with a rainbow flag. And a crucifix that miss, doesn't have Jesus on it. Um, he doesn't do any of those things. He, he only worries about drag queen story hours at the municipally funded venue. Yeah. Um, which it, it's your right to protest what the government is doing with your money, rightly or wrongly. Like that's your right in a free society, um, except Calgary is no longer a free society. So, so they, they and, did their best to manage that. And Sheila, there's a sidebar story to all this that I really want to get a resolution to because I don't think it's being reported. But forget about hate crimes. Forget about thought crimes. How about crime crimes? And by that, I mean what we saw the pastor physically removed, thrown to the floor uh, by two Lugans. Um, that is physical assault caught on camera, not he said, she said. Did those two yeah. face charges? Uh, no. And that was actually pointed out in the bail hearing um, because- why. Derek has a history of violence. This is why he found the Lord. This is why he does ministry. This is why he does ministry with people with histories of criminality and, and addiction and 
and gang violence in the downtown core. This is why he does it because he was them. So he knows how to speak directly to them. But that was pointed out in court. They said like, hey, the Crown said like, hey, this guy's got a history of violence. Not recently. Um, but his lawyer pointed out like, yeah, that was a man who struggled with violence. But if we look at his behavior now, he doesn't struggle with violence when the police arrest him. He go willingly. He went limp when they tried to arrest him at um, the last library protest. And look at that yeah. passively allows him, he could have fought back, could have punched that guy right in the head, but he didn't. He passively allowed himself to be assaulted at the hands of these people. And yet he's the guy being arrested. And he's the guy, the crown is saying, we need to hold him in jail indefinitely because he has a violent history. He could have reacted violently at any one of these points. He's proven himself that he doesn't. And the Derek's lawyer, uh, Ben Allison, great. If you get in trouble, you want to talk to Ben. Um, because he did point out, he said, you can't say that he has his history of violence should follow him now because here, here are the reasons he's not violent. When he was met with violence at that protest, he didn't respond with violence. Um, and he did point out like, look, the only people being charged here is the guy who allowed himself to be passively thrown to the floor and not the people who assaulted him on camera. So again, Sheila, if I went to a Calgary police station with that video evidence and I said, look, I'm being thrown to the floor by these two hooligans, um, here's, you know, the camera doesn't lie. What is the Calgary Police Service position on why they're not laying charges on that? Because that, that is a real crime. Yeah, well, I think, uh, and I don't want to put words into the mouths of people on the Calgary Police Service. I think most of the cops there are good cops. Actually, um, when our team was outside yesterday covering the protest, uh, cop came up and said, hey, thanks for the work that you guys do. And I, I don't think all cops are bad. I think actually you get into policing because you love and care about your community and want to make it mm. a safer place. That's why you go out and want to arrest dirtbags and you don't like when judges and justice of the peace let them go yeah. um, after you've arrested them repeatedly for real crimes, not protesting. Right. Um, but the Calgary Police Service, I think they were ready to just call it even, right? They were saying, okay, well, well we could probably lay a charge of mischief and um, causing a disturbance, but it looks like we've got somebody getting handsy here. We're just going to call it a wash and not wow. do anything about wow. it until the mayor got involved, right? That's when the charges happened here. The mayor went to Twitter, had a little Twitter rant, um, and charges came days later. So I think pressure, a political pressure came out of the mayor's office to the Calgary Police Service, and then they acted. And and that's what happened there. So I don't think, th I honestly think Calgary Police Service just were like, you know what, you did this, you did that. Let's just sort it out in the wash until the mayor said, no, no, no. You, we don't like what why he's there to protest. So now yeah. we have to put political pressure on everybody. That mayor is a disgrace, Sheila. She's the worst. She's the worst. Uh, hard to believe she's worse than John Tory, um, but here we are, Jody Gondek. Um, and a normal, she blocked me on Twitter finally, but a normal wiser <laughs> politician would have made this Twitter rant, a phone call to somebody at, uh, CPS, uh, but she didn't, uh, it would, it should have been an off the record phone call. If she wanted to put political pressure, that's what all politicians do. Right. But she didn't, she took to Twitter and said, the police aren't doing enough. What are we going to do about it? And so three days later, police went, showed up at his door and arrested him. Wow. Unbelievable. Well, um, 
where does the story go from here? Uh, is the pastor going to continue to protest these um, yes. library? Oh, okay. So this is the story's <laughs> not over yet, then, is it? No, and he's got a bail conditions review on his original uh, conditions. I think on the 29th, we're back in court for him. And uh, he's still got to fight those mischief and causing a disturbance charges in court. He's still charged with a breach that he'll have to fight in court. So um, there's a long road ahead for Pastor Derek. Uh, he's going to do his best to uh, comply with conditions. If people want to see the report with um, Angelica, they can find that on our website at savepastorderek.com. Uh, you'll find all of the Pastor Derek coverage, including my live tweets from inside the courtroom. So you can see where I was directly quoting from the, <laughs> just the totally make them up crown prosecutor. Um, who, by the way, I sit in the court, nobody knows who I am, right? I don't like I have my press pass, but I sort of have it tucked inside my jacket because I think people are less candid if they know there's a journalist sitting there. And it was helpful yesterday because the crown was standing there talking to her colleagues saying, Oh, I see pastor Derek's got his entourage outside. I'm not going to go back to the office because maybe they will ambush me with tomatoes. Oh, really? Based on that? what? Exactly based on what? These people are more likely to be the recipients of violence that crowns like that don't yeah. seem to care about than to be the perpetrators of violence themselves. Besides, um, have, you seen the was... <laughs> have you seen Go the ahead. price of tomatoes lately, Sheila? I mean, <laughs> why not? I started mine the other day. <laughs> who's got that kind of coin? <laughs> but, you know, that's an outrageous statement. Um, but I'll tell you, you know, these Calgary pastors, whether it's uh, Pastor Derek uh, protesting against Drag Queen Story Hour, whether it's Pastor Art, um, or what was the egregious thing he did? Uh, oh, yes, feeding the homeless. Geez, uh, the state in Calgary will spare no expense when it comes to dragging uh, these malicious people before uh, justice. Is ab I, I, the, the world's upside down, Sheila. You know, I always remember the words of a great uh, Western philosopher, Gavin McInnes, when he says, F the police's bosses. He always makes it clear that he's not against cops, and I definitely am not. Um, but it's their political masters that are always angling for yeah. political positions. Bill Blair, I'm looking at you, former police chief of Toronto, and now the biggest gun grabber in this entire country, blaming law-abiding gun owners like me for the explosion of gun crime he oversaw <laughs> in Toronto. Um, I, I remember that it's not the regular cops. And in my personal experience, it was the one cop I always think about the one cop at Grace Life Church who reminded me of that when, he, uh, you know, like people would give him a hard time. Like, what, why are you coming here to surveil this church for the crime of not turning away congregants? And he said, because you don't want, he said, you don't want the cops who want to come to come here. So oh, I come instead. Interesting. And uh, it was clear he didn't want to be there. He didn't want to arrest any pastors or ticket any congregants. But it was better him than the guys who really did want to be there to arrest pastors and ticket congregants. So just remember that when you're out in the world, then maybe some of these cops are acting as a buffer against the real, real power trippers. No, well uh, said. Holy yeah. smoke, Sheila. It's almost half past the hour and we haven't gotten to a single super chat yet. Well, the good news is there's just one. Um, it's, from, it's from ableist, uh, SL gives us five bucks is rebel concerned about having to flee Canada 
or operate offshore due to future internet censorship laws? How would a civil war in the US and Canada affect rebel? And what's the risk of a civil war? I don't really think there's a risk of a civil war. I really no. don't. I, I, I don't think it'll ever come to violence. They control us in other ways. Um, and with regard to, are we concerned about having to flee Canada and operate offshore due, due to um, internet censorship laws? Um, we are always, and we don't want to tip our hats to the bad guys, of course, but we're always making contingency plans and plans yeah. to fight. More than anything, we make plans to fight. And when, when it is time to fight, rest assured, we will call on you at home to be involved in that fight um, to protect our free speech and the independence of the press here in Canada but to protect your free speech and even the free speech of our enemies. Um, some of you at home may not know, but some of the arguments we used against Rachel Notley, we gave to people who would gladly call for our censorship yep. on the left. We gave them our legal arguments that we had prepared that, that we had used to fight for um, press access in the legislature under Rachel Notley. We gave those to a journalist on the left so that that journalist on the left could fight with Jason Kenney for access to the legislature mm. um, because they were denying him access because uh, your human rights should not be determined by your political leanings. There's no litmus test, no values test before you are entitled to the free and liberal exchange of ideas and information. Oh, that is it. Wow. Okay. Uh, <laughs> David, you zoned right out. <laughs> no, I was I, I was just enjoying that um, overflowing wisdom coming our way, Sheila. And uh, and maybe uh, if we had to relocate offshore, where would we go? You know, I, I uh, true story. Uh, two days ago, I went to my friendly neighborhood health food store and uh, I said, where's John? And I was told um, him and his girlfriend um, buggered off to Costa Rica and they're not coming back. And I hear that a lot. A lot of Canadians are choosing Costa Rica. I guess it's uh, far cheaper to live there than it is here. Um, but if you had to be forced out of our great dominion, Sheila, to continue practicing journalism, what country would you like to go to? Oh, I think I would go to the um, free state of Florida. Yankee and I can start a compound, um, not a Waco style compound, but just a, a place where like-minded conservative journalists could live in harmony with each other. I'm going to need some advice about alligators and all those weird things that live in swamps. The humidity is going to do a real number on my hair, but I think freedom is worth it. <laughs> yeah, Florida is a <laughs> wonderful place. Absolutely. <laughs> Well, folks, I guess that's it. Thank you so much for watching. And uh, special thanks to the person who gave us a super chat singular. <laughs> Let's get that ginned up more in the days ahead. We gotta, we've got expenses to pay. And unlike the mainstream media, we don't take it out of your bank account directly every two weeks, like some kind of Rogers negative option marketing scheme. And thank you to our super producers, Olivia and Efron, as always. I'll be back here tomorrow at one o'clock Eastern. In the meantime, folks, as always, stay safe and stay sane. When the CRTC starts regulating, they acknowledge that the curtain is up, Rachel's being polite, but they set it down black and white. And, and it's, it's the most dangerous thing that's out there. Um, C18 is a little bit different. C18 is a shakedown of digital platforms. Uh, and essentially, it's another feeble attempt on the part of Justin Trudeau to finance 
a failing business model. We're not against journalism. I think journalists should, they have a vibrant and important role to play in our democracy. But it's not incumbent on taxpayers and it's not incumbent on successful businesses in this country to support failing business models. It is, and that is really at the core of CHP as far as I'm concerned. Government has no business in the business of any business. Uh, and that's why I'm so opposed to most of these pieces of regulation. You know, we conservatives believe, and why I'm a conservative, that through hard work, innovation, intelligence will lead to success. And you are entitled to that success, and that success is the foundation upon which you build a strong society. Bill C-11 and C-18 penalize innovation, they penalize success in order to try to prop up uh, individuals that are less successful. And that's why I am vociferously opposed uh, to both these bills. And I, you know, governments and, and bureaucrats uh, and the CRPC should not be the ones deciding on what pops up on our feed in terms of our priority music listen, or what we should be watching in terms of videos, what we should be getting in terms of news. Uh, the beauty of the internet, and I've gone on, the digital platforms, is it gives us endless opportunities, endless choice, and no one should have the right to take that away.